0: Today I have chosen to talk about a very recent Korean drama, a 2019 K-drama called Extraordinary You. Uh, I feel like, you know, towards the end of 2019, there has just been a absolute slew of amazing K-dramas, which is so exciting. Um, sometimes I will kind of be sitting around looking at all the currently airing shows and not really find anything to my taste that I kind of want to dip into. Um, that is not a problem <laughs> that I've had towards the end of 2019. There's just been so many good shows that I, I can barely keep up. And Extraordinary You was, uh, so this is a youth romance, um, high school set drama. Uh, It's very funny, it's very sweet, but it also has a very exciting twist. Um, When I first saw it advertised, just because of that genre, that kind of youth romance kind of genre, which I do really, really love, um, so I certainly had my eye on it as soon as I saw um, that it was coming out, but I didn't really have hugely high expectations for it, I think. Um, I, I didn't really know any of the actors or actresses that are starring in it, and I just wanted to give it a go, but I didn't really think that I would probably love it quite as much as I did. So I think the reason that I do just adore this K-drama is kind of a combination of some fantastic performances by the, you know, very young and very new, I think, um, Korean actors and actresses in this. They are all super charming. Um, The performances are just so, so good. But the other thing that I love about this K-drama is the story. It is very solid. It is very interesting. And it is also just the most wonderful, I guess, twist on you know, a youth romance drama. Um, The thing that I like the most about this show really is that story. So this drama, Extraordinary You, is also known by apparently a different title, which is the literal title translated from Korean, which is Haru Found by Chance. It is 16 episodes and it is classed as a fantasy romance. It is based on a webcomic and This is where it gets really interesting for me. I think that the author of the webcomic that this K-drama is based on is just a genius. (laughs) I really do. Um... they're they're so good. The author of this story has just written something incredibly special. And it really kicks this show over from just being, you know, the same kind of youth romance drama that we've all seen a million times, which, you know, I'm not dissing that. I love those shows. They're wonderful. But This show really has an extra layer and an extra twist to it. Um, It's very, very interesting because I think in a lot of ways, this show kind of pokes fun at its own genre, um, but in a very gentle way and in a very loving and fond way. So I feel like the author of the webcomic that this show is based on is clearly someone that loves these kind of very cliche-filled youth stories. So I'm kind of talking about, you know, those Japanese shoju manga or the Korean manhwa or, you know... Um, you know, shows, I guess, K-dramas like Boys Over Flowers, Um, these kind of shows and the stories, you know, the comics or whatever that they're based on have, I mean, they are just filled with certain cliches, with certain tropes, um, with certain kind of story shapes. And, you know, the characters always get in the same situations. And I love all that stuff. I really do. And it's clear that the author of this story also loves it. Um, and I think that's why I quite love the way this show pokes fun at that genre, because it's clearly someone who loves it also kind of pointing out how hilarious some of those cliches are. And that is really what gives this show such a brilliant twist. I think it is, it's the kind of show that is made for all those people that love youth romance dramas. It gives you everything you could ever want from that genre, but it also twists it and pokes fun at it and just creates something kind of very meta and funny and unbelievably clever. And I don't know, it's not really a word that I've often associated with this kind of genre in Korean drama. Like, really, really clever. Uh, Some of it's very tongue in cheek. Um, It's very, very amusing, particularly, say, the first half of the show, which is really dealing with all the cliches and tropes and really twisting everything on its head. So you just don't know what's going to happen next. Um, The second half of the show, obviously, is when, you know, the more angsty, emotional stuff comes through and the really high stakes start to come into effect. Um, But it's just it's so good. Um, I Definitely, definitely recommend this show. Um, A part of me does wonder if, you know, a lot of the joy of watching this is because you've watched K-dramas like Boys Over Flowers and this drama really takes those tropes and kind of makes, you know, it's really sweetly twisting everything on its head. And I think part of the joy of watching it is being able to recognize, um, you know, what the drama is, I guess, pointing to or making fun of in a, you know, not in a nasty way at all. Um, So I I do think maybe this show is, has a higher level of understanding and enjoyment for fans of this genre. But I also think if you were just very new to K-dramas or new to romance dramas, like I think you will still really, really like it if, you know, if that sounds appealing to you. So I don't think you need to have that deeper level understanding of these kind of tropey, cliche story structures. But if you do, it is an added extra level of enjoyment for this show. Um, so I guess that's probably enough waffle from me, um, on my sort of overall thoughts. I definitely I just fucking adored it. It is so good. The actors and actresses are so good. Everything about this show is brilliant. Uh, so I definitely recommend it. Before I get started, oh, well, you know, on the actual next part of my review. Um, so what I'm going to do for my discussion, I thought, is maybe do a bit of a character by character breakdown. Um, it's interesting because this show is kind of like a story within a story. And <laughs> I'm not sure how easy it is to explain the plot. So I'm going to do my best kind of running from character to character. And I really hope that I can explain it in a coherent way that doesn't sound like, you know, <laughs> a bonkers pile of shit. So I'll do my best. Um, but if I do a really bad job and you come out of this discussion being like, what the fuck was she even talking about? Please go watch the show. It, it, it will explain everything so much better than I can. And um, it's so charming and so moving and so sweet. So I definitely, definitely recommend it. All right, here we go. So the first character that I want to talk about in this drama is called Dano. So Dano is the protagonist. This story absolutely and utterly belongs to her. It is her story. Everything in this drama revolves around her. She is played by an actress called Kim Hye-yoon who I believe kind of did a bit of a breakout this year in the K-drama called Sky Castle. Uh, which was kind of like a family melodrama or kind of a soapy melodrama. Um, I had only seen a couple of episodes of that, so I wasn't very familiar with Kim Hye Yoon, the actress, at all. So this was really my first experience with her. Um, her performance as the character Ndeno is fucking charming. Like, she is an actress to watch. She is so good. I just adored her. She has this very kind of... I don't know. She's very tiny and she's very zippy and just has so much energy and so much expression, like both, um, you know, like on her face, but also like physicality. She's just kind of like flopping around the place. Everything's very over the top and dramatic, but not as in, you know, sometimes you will watch um, an actor kind of playing a character with too much dramaticness, And you can tell that that is the actor doing too much. In the case of this character, it is the character's charming package that she is, you know, a bit over the top and it is so well done. So I I feel like this is an actress who completely understands, you know, how to do physical comedy and, you know, how to... just be slightly outrageous in the most sweetest, humorous way. Like she's so likable. Um, I really, really loved her. So I'm going to talk a little bit about how the story begins. So Ndano is a young girl who is going to this super posh high school, like one of these kind of these old European looking buildings with ivy everywhere and everyone's uniforms are like super cute and just just like the most insane, richy rich kind of school, basically. So if you have seen Boys Over Flowers, um, so much of this drama references very funny things that are, you know, very cheesy from Boys Over Flowers. So I think this like ultra posh school is definitely a super cheesy thing uh, that this this drama has. Um, the other thing that is really hilarious is there are no teachers anywhere But the drama will actually explain that later, which I really love. So Ndeno is this kind of very vivacious student at this school. She's very happy. Um, She has, you know, a really rich dad and a big mansion. And she's going to school and there are basically these group of three boys called A3. And if everyone has watched Boys Over Flowers, of course, there is the very famous F4, which is the four flower boys. And these ones have A3 three. I can't even remember what it fucking stands for. It's something really silly, like amazing three or something really dumb like that. So there's like, uh, you know, there's this dude called Namju who is, you know, the hottest, baddest guy at school. And then there's his best friend Doha, who is like, you know, the nicest, nice guy at school, who I might point out also plays the violin uh, just like the second male lead in Boys Over Flowers. So, you know, it's a real sort of throwback. And then the third member of this, you know, hilarious boy group, which all the students, you know, obviously scream and tear their hair out anytime any of these boys come near. It's like, oh, you're so handsome. You're so handsome. So the third member is this dude called Beck Young, who is quite great. Uh, He just looks like he wants to thump everyone in the face. Like I've never seen like a more angry looking dude in my life. And this guy is... (sighs) is, I guess, the, basically, Ndeno has the most massive crush on this guy, and she has her entire life. And she's sort of following him around, and he is basically a total asshole face to her. Like, he is so mean to her. We find out that Ndeno, even though her whole life looks so wonderful... It turns out that she actually has, you know, a heart problem and she's in and out of hospital all the time. And he really hates her, this guy, Beck Young, because she's sick and he's just like a total nasty asshole to her all the time. But because she's totally in love with him, she's just real sweet, real simpering and, you know, just follows him around. But. Um, But what begins to happen is that Ndeno starts hearing this really weird sound, like the turning of a page. And when she opens her eyes suddenly, days sometimes have passed and she has no memory of what happened during that time. So she still keeps going on with her life, but she starts to think that she might be going fucking crazy, basically. She's completely losing time and she's losing memories and she's very confused as to what is happening. So meanwhile, while Undano is running around trying to figure out what's going on with her head, um, there is a different girl who's just started at the school. She's a transfer student. Her name is Judah. So she is a very poor girl who's on, you know, a scholarship that is run by the hottest guy at school's family who, and you know, he's a bit of an asshole too. So he gets really mean at her and she starts facing a lot of bullies and all these girls keep like tripping her and harassing her and shit like that. So Ndeano begins to sort of help her out, I guess, kind of help Judah quite a lot and is quite nice to her. And Ndeano, meanwhile, the main character is starting to realize that during certain moments in her life, she is doing things that she doesn't necessarily want to be doing. So she is, I guess, getting involved in situations that she doesn't really know why she is. And she's starting to realize that she doesn't always have control over her actions. Um, And in between those particular scenes, when she has no control, is back to being normal. She's herself and she, I guess her personality begins to change. She's going crazy trying to figure out what the hell is going on. And she ends up meeting this completely random sort of dude. I don't even know how to describe this guy, but he, he's basically like a weird chef dude that just lives in the kitchen and everyone calls him dried squid fairy for some reason. But anyway, He's obviously, you know, the kind of character that has all the answers and he tells her that she's actually a character in a comic book. So all those moments when Ndeno can't kind of choose how to act and she's just sort of playing out a scene, those are the moments which the drama begins to call the stage. And basically those are the moments that are appearing in the comic book that a writer is writing. And all the other moments when Indano can run around and do whatever she wants are the moments in the shadow or between the pages. So it's like the story continues, but in the shadow, Undano can be however she wants to be. And the interesting thing about it is once she realises she's a character in a comic book, um, her personality in the shadow, as in between the pages, begins to change. Um, on stage, and Dano is this very kind of simpering, very feminine, very quiet character who's constantly, you know, just following around this boy that she's in love with, Young, and he's constantly being super mean to her and she's just crying all the time. and in the shadow undano is starting to realize that being that simpering quiet person that Beckyung is so mean to that's her character. But it's not necessarily who she wants to be. So it's very, very funny because you have these scenes where, you know, on the stage, she's trying to like give Beckyung a present or something and he refuses to take it. And he throws it in the dirt and he yells at her and she starts crying. And then the second the stage ends and the shadow begins and dan will sort of stop crying immediately and sort of say out loud, like, why the fuck do I even like this guy? Like, he's so horrible, I actually hate him. And then she'll be quite mean to him back and walk off. And of course, Beck Young, who's still completely is not aware of himself. Um, You know, he's a character and he doesn't even know it. Like he's starting to get very confused by this new whiplash personality that Ndeno has. Uh, So it's brilliant, like, it's just so much fun to kind of see Ndano change as a character. So the really cool thing is that once she finally accepts that she is a character in a comic, which, you know, there's a lot of different ways through the drama. They make it, you know, that she kind of has to accept it in the end. She starts seeing breaks in reality in the shadow, which is between the pages, things exist kind of wrong. So you might walk down a hallway and all the chairs are just floating because This isn't the world that the writer has created and therefore it's not really real so it's really interesting and she is sort of forced to accept it she even gets to read the comic book so she can read her past in this comic book but she can't really see the future so everything that hasn't happened in the in the drama that we're watching has not yet been written in the comic book so I really hope I'm explaining that in a way that sounds like it makes sense at all Um, but it's wonderful the way that it unfolds in the drama it's very very funny um, and they explain it in a way. That's very easy to understand. I'm not sure that I have explained it in such an easy way, but it's definitely, you know, it's super easy to understand when you watch the drama. But the funniest thing that happens when Undeno realizes she is a character in a comic is that, of course, she presumes that she is the main character. So she decides that maybe being a character in a romance comic isn't such a bad thing at all. And off she goes flouncing into school with her new sort of very over the top, loud, manic kind of personality. And, you know, there's these three A3 guys. And as they're all walking towards her, she's trying to figure out which one is like endgame, which one's the male lead, which one's the second male lead, which one is she going to end up with, which one will fall in love with her. And when the stage clicks into place and she begins, begins, you know, going through the motions that she has no control over, she begins to realize that not only is she not the main character, in fact, the new, very poor, downtrodden transfer student, Judah, is the main protagonist. Ndeno oh, not only is not the main character, she's not even really a side character. She is a bloody extra, like she is a nobody. She is just Young's kind of, you know, childhood sort of girlfriend kind of thing and that's it so they have this great kind of scene where she sees the title page of the comic which is an outline it's kind of like outlining all the main characters in the comic and, you know, you see the three mains who are involved in this love triangle, which is the hottest guy at school, who's the male lead, Judah, who's the, um, you know, the poor transfer student girl. And then the second male lead is Doha, who is the really, you know, the nice guy, the second male lead type. And they're, you know, get this huge big page to themselves. And then on the next page, you see the rest of A3, which is Young and then a few different side characters, and down the bottom, tiny, 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 is a tiny picture of Andano as just an inconsequential side character, and her only role in the whole comic is basically to sort of push Judah and Namju together, which is the main endgame romance of the whole comic, um, and also to have a heart disease and have to keep going to hospital, which you know pushes the plot forward, and. <laughs> poor Ndeno is rightfully absolutely fucking horrified by the idea that not only does she have no control over her destiny, she is completely unimportant. And her only role is to support the main romance love line and also be sick. And therefore, every single time she appears on stage or, you know, appears in a scene in the comic, she's basically just getting treated like absolute shit by Young, who is, you know, her kind of, boyfriend sort of thing. Uh, so, and then, oh, it's, it's such a wonderful couple of opening episodes in this drama. Like they are so charming. They are so funny. I love the tone of it. It's just, it's all so good. And the best thing about realizing that everything within this drama Takes place in a webcomic, which is a romance comic, is that all the cheesy stuff can still happen within this drama. So, for instance, they go to this posh school and you never ever see any of the teachers. Like, there's barely any adult characters. So, when you watch a drama that is set in a high school and all there is is romantic hijinks and you never see a teacher, you think to yourself, well, that's fucking stupid. Like, where are the teachers? Why are they always in class without a teacher? But because we're watching this drama, and obviously it's actually meant to be, you know, a romance comic, it obviously completely excuses the fact that all these cheesy things are happening. Like in the show, they go on this, um, you know, go off on a school camp. And one of the activities that they have to do is this like couples hiking. So they all have to pair off into couples and go hiking in the dark, when obviously they all get lost on the mountain and all these, you know, all this romantic shit basically happens. So that's the kind of silly shit that would happen in a show like Boys Over Flowers. But when you watch it, you're like, that is so insane. Like what school would ever do that? But in this case, you're like, well, of course the school would do it because the writer is just writing this contrived sort of situation to create a reason for her, you know, main protagonist to kind of be pushed towards the boy, you know? So it's so clever. It kind of gives you everything you want from a romance drama, while also I guess, creating a much more solid reason for these really silly situations to keep on happening so that it it never comes across as cheesy. It actually comes across as you know, quite often O will be pushed into a situation that is really cheesy and is the kind of thing that would happen in a romance comic. And she's always like, "Ugh! like, why is this happening? It's so cheesy. Why is the writer such a bad writer? Why can't, you know, the show be cooler than this? Like, it's so fucking clever. Um, I really hope I did an OK job at explaining that story um, just because it is a story within a story. It's very difficult to get your head around, I think, if someone's trying to tell you the concept. And honestly, I have no fucking idea how the author of the webcomic got this this kind of complex storyline across through through a comic format, like I just don't understand it. Um, With with a drama, I think they're able to make it so clear and easy. You understand through a filter and through sound effects when people are on stage, Um, you understand that they're being forced to act out scenes and emotions that they don't really feel or that they disagree with. And you always can see when the stage ends and all the characters can revert to being themselves again. Uh, So I loved this. Obviously, Ndano, when she realizes that she is in a webcom, she's in a comic and she is not a main character, the biggest thing she wants to do is change her fate. She doesn't want to be forced to, I guess, fit into the character groove that has been written for her. So her main sort of endgame now is how do I change the future? because she doesn't want to, you know, just end up with this idiot Beckyung and do all the stupid shit that she keeps doing because of Beckyung. So for instance, you know, Beckyung has this little, I think it was a key ring or some shit that Dano gives him and he hates it. So he throws it in the ocean when they're on a school camp. And, you know, during this stage, and Dano fucking walks into the ocean to find it and almost drowns. So she's constantly having to do really stupid things like that. And she's just not keen. Rightfully so, she is not. Keen. So the next character that I want to talk about a little bit is Dohua. So Dohua, in. <laughs> let's get complicated again. So within the story that is the comic book that everyone is being forced to live, he is the second male lead. In the drama, he's more of a side character and just a really good mate for Undeno. So he is sort of the second character that becomes aware of himself and begins to realise that he is in a comic book. I loved his reaction to understanding this. Um, so suddenly Andano, who's already been through the whole experience, is sort of acting very superior and like explaining to him, you know, what's going on and you're actually a character in a comic book and blah, blah, blah. And he is just like tearing his hair out. He's so confused. It's so funny. I really particularly um, like the character of Dohua. He really, really grew on me. Um, One of my favorite things is that constantly, because he's playing the second male lead in the comic book story, every time the stage turns on, he's always doing something like really, really stupid, like playing the violin while crying on the roof. And then, you know, the female lead, Judah, who is the poor transfer student, will come out and catch him. And the thing I love the most is you see the stage scene, which has Doha playing the violin and tears on his face, but then it'll go close to his face and his eyes open and you can see what, he, you know, he makes a different expression. And he's like, why the fuck am I doing this? Like, I hate the violin. Why would I do this? I'm so so cheesy. Like, I sound so, like such an idiot. Um, and I loved it. Every single time he, you know, <laughs> the stage starts and suddenly he's playing this sad song on the violin. Every single time he rolls his eyes and he's like, oh, no, no, not again. Like, it's so money. So Do Hwa is interesting. Um obviously Dano, when she w- becomes aware of herself and realizes she's a character, she immediately rails against like the grooves that have been written for her. She doesn't want to be that sick girl who is a bit of a pushover, immediately she decides that she doesn't really like Beckyung, who's this guy that she's meant to have been in love with for 10 years. She's not interested in him. She's not interested in any of it. And her personality does a major U-turn because of it. She literally becomes a different person. Dohua changes a lot, but I think on a much lesser scale. He's still more similar to who he originally was. He's not so keen on all like the really super cheesy second male lead shit. Like he doesn't really want to play the violin and cry on a rooftop anymore. And he doesn't want to do any of that real cheesy shit. But he, he starts to realize, even though he's aware of himself and he's constantly on stage, he's in these really frustrating situations with his best friend Namju competing for the affections of the poor transfer student, Judah. But the interesting thing is that Doha, as the second male lead in that story, even though he's free of it and he knows that it's just a story that he has to play out the actions, he realizes that he still likes this girl. And over time, he realizes that his affections towards her are genuine. He actually truly likes her, even though he kind of doesn't have to anymore. So I found that really, really interesting. And I thought it was such a... you know, such a strange and interesting angle to look at this well-worn trope of that kind of a love triangle with the poor girl who's getting bullied and the real rich, nasty guy who, you know, is kind of, I guess, hitting on her all the time, but usually in a pretty not that nice way. Like it's basically boys over flowers with that kind of love triangle. And it was really interesting to see it from the angle of the second male lead who doesn't want to be a cheesy second male lead. He wants to actually properly fight for this girl's affections and he wants to, you know, confess his love to her first before the other guy. Um, because, you know, I guess one of the cliches of that kind of Mr. Nice Guy second male lead is that they they don't. They're quite passive, I suppose, in a lot of dramas and they don't um, confess, you know, the other guy always gets in first and and they're just not active enough to sort of make their love story come true, I suppose. And it was really interesting seeing Doha as that sort of passive second male lead, trying his best to rectify it, to get in first, to actually make this girl aware that he likes her and he's not just trying to be, you know her guardian angel which is what she keeps calling him and every time she calls him that he's like oh like so cheesy like the writer's such a bad writer like it's very funny so it was really really clever kind of twist on this well-worn character that we've seen a million times and so even though that kind of Mr. Nice Guy's second male lead thing is not something I'm particularly into, I loved the character of Dohua in this. Like he's certainly not a main main character and he's just this sort of a funny friend to, you know, um, Ndano as she runs around trying to solve everything. But he's very charming and just so amusing. And I loved seeing, you know, that that love triangle that is unfolding in the romance comic where no one has control over how it it turns out. Like I loved seeing that unfold. And I loved seeing particularly, you know, Doha really goes for it with Judah. He really tries to in the shadow, when he has control over himself and his actions, he's always confessing to her, I suppose. And he's always telling her that he likes her and he's always just telling her the truth and being very honest. And the interesting thing about that is it does begin to wake Judah up as well so things get complex in that arena um, but just as a character Dohua it, it's just so likable um, I've never seen the actor before his name is Jung Gun Joo. Um, this might even be his first drama this might be his first acting credit he's totally charming I thought he was really good Okay. So next up, I want to introduce, (laughs) bear with me. So the male lead of this drama is called Haru, but he, in the romance webcomic or the romance comic that is, you know, being played out on the stage that no one has any control over, he's not even a character he is an extra and he is nameless. So he doesn't come into the drama that we're watching until maybe like episode three or four even. And what happens is that Ndeno is sort of, I guess she's kind of getting watched a little bit. Um, And we see that there's a male student, we can't ever see his face, but he's just sort of hovering around and he's looking at her and we never quite understand what's going on. Um, But Ndeno, sometimes she gets these, I want to say visions, but she gets an insight into the pages of the comic that are not yet written. And so she can kind of see the future, I suppose. And she'll see something like bad happening. Like, for instance, She's going to get tripped and fall down the stairs and she's kind of like, fuck, I don't want to get tripped and fall down the stairs. But the stage begins and everything is unfolding as it did that she saw. And she has no control over her actions and she begins to fall down the stairs. But a different student just pops out of nowhere, this dude, and, you know, helps her and grabs her and they fall on the floor together. And so this happens a couple of times, you know, this guy and she never sees his face and he just swoops out of nowhere and kind of helps her and saves her. So she starts to wonder who he is, because basically it's the first time that anything on the stage is unfolding differently from the way that it's meant to be written by the writer. So it's like this guy is able to change these events that no one else has any control over. So because Andano wants to change her fate, she doesn't want to be sick. She doesn't want to have these health problems. She doesn't want to be in this weird, angry relationship with young She goes on a mission to find out who this person is. And she figures it out. He is an extra. So he's such an extra in the comic book that he doesn't even have a name. He's certainly not on that, you know, the front page outlining all the different characters. He is an absolute nobody. And he is called extra number 13, basically. Um, And he walks around and he's a student. He walks around with his student name tag. That's just blank. So through all these different sort of, um, I guess, situations, they keep getting thrown together and he doesn't speak. It's kind of like it's really interesting. He's almost like a shell. He's like a ghost. He doesn't have a personality because it hasn't been written for him. And yet there is something about him and he's constantly drawn to Ndano. But every single time she sees him, she introduces herself to him and he forgets her. He just keeps forgetting her, which is what all the main like all the characters in the comic forget everything that happens in the shadow and they only exist on the stage even though they're kind of walking around and playing out their characters in between. So she ends up naming this guy who's extra number 13 um, and Dano calls him Haru. Um, and he I guess little by little begins to remember her and she keeps trying to get him to change the future for her because he's the only one who can do it um and obviously you know he is like this insanely good looking young dude and he's always staring at her and just like complete adoration for her so it's a little bit hard for her to sort of resist that level <laughs> of you know adoration from him and you know they spend a lot of time together and little by little Haru begins to remember who Andano is and he begins to want to help her and then he kind of becomes a character. You know, he starts appearing on the stage and kind of getting involved in things and changing the way the comic is. But the problem is that even when Haru manages to change things, it, it kind of still, I guess, the situations that the writer wants to happen in the comics still happen, but they might happen twisted or with a different character, or usually a bad consequence basically happens because they've managed to change it. Um, but Haru, through sort of being created, I suppose, or being woken up, I should say, by Undano, you know, his name appears on his um, name tag, but you know, as Dried Squid Fairy. I don't know why it's called that, but, you know, the the guy in the kitchen who knows everything keeps telling them, like, if you keep changing the stage, bad shit is going to happen. And eventually what fucking happens is Haru just disappears. Like he just gets wiped off the face of the earth. And this point where it happens is a point when I think Ndano really relies on him. Like he is a lifeline to a future where she has control over herself and her own fate. On top of that, you know, it's really well done. I think you can see them absolutely falling in love. Like, and it's not, it is, you know, it has this kind of youth romance sweetness to it, but it also has this underlying deepness to their connection too, because, in, you know, a lot of ways, they are all that each other has in this world. You know, this weird, crazy world that they're in, their connection is so strong because everyone around them doesn't, isn't aware of themselves and doesn't understand what's happening. And, you know, don't understand that they're just puppets. What's these two do? And, you know, he is the only one who can basically save her. And for him... He didn't exist before she woke him up. So they both, I guess, are saving each other on such an intense level that when they fall in love, it really feels very, very moving and quite emotional. And it's really well done. Like it's kind of just like this solid sort of connection that is deep, occurs between them before it even moves into like a romance, I suppose. So you feel like there's something Really intense going on between them before it even becomes, you know, like a cute kind of couple y sort of vibe. Um, but of course, when Haru just completely disappears off the face of the earth, and um, Dano is pretty fucking upset. And, uh, you know, a while later, after she's been completely grieving for him, he turns back up, but he turns up as a character that has been written into the comic and he turns up. Without his memories. So he can't remember Andano at all and he just has a part to play on the stage and the rest of the time he doesn't give a shit about her. And she is now afraid to make changes to the story. She wants to try and wake him up again to make him aware of who he really is and of their history together. But she's also afraid because the last time she changed the stage... Haru completely disappeared. And that's her worst fear. Like that's basically like killing him and she's so afraid. So that's the other cool thing about this drama is youth romance dramas don't tend to have stakes like this drama does. This drama is literally life and death. Like characters can have their memories completely wiped away, which is you know, literally the same thing as not existing. Like, yes, your body's still there and you're walking around, but that's not really you. So the stakes are just super high in this show. And that's a very refreshing thing for this kind of high school set youth drama, you know, that you don't get stakes like that in these kind of shows very often. And if you do, they tend to be really cheesy, whilst in this one, they're very oh, very romantic and, you know, a bit tragic. And you feel really, really worried about these people. Like you really, really like them. You want them to be able to be together. Um, but they have, you know, so many obstacles in their way. Next up, I just wanted to talk a little bit about the character Baek Young. So Baek Kyung is... Um, in the drama, he's the second male lead, but in the comic book, he's just the third member of, you know, that posse of good looking boys, A3. So he's kind of a bit more inconsequential in the comic. And in the comic, he ends up being the fiance of Andano, who is, you know, the sick dying girl. And he hates her because his father, Young's father, is basically forcing him to date her and marry her because of like you know his company wants an investment from you know Undano's dad's company or whatever, like super super cheesy shit. But the problem is Baek Young, who hates Undano and is mean as fuck to her all the time. Uh, he wakes up, he starts noticing that Undano is being different. She's like personality wise, she's so different. She keeps like yelling at him and telling him off for being so mean to her instead of, you know, just simpering and crying. And she begins to hang out with this other dude, like this, you know, super good looking other dude who he has no idea who this guy is. And of course that is Haru, who, you know, basically doesn't even exist. And then suddenly, you know, starts showing up all the time. So Baekhyun is pretty unhappy about it. It's, it's certainly, I think, he, you know, when he becomes aware of himself, it is totally instigated by his jealousy of seeing Andano not being, you know, his little devoted lackey that he can just lash out at and yell at. So, certainly not coming from a, like a super positive place. But the really interesting thing about Baek Young is he's probably the only character in the show that when he becomes aware of himself and wakes up, he is really unable to shake, I guess, to shake the character that has been written for him. Like he still is that character. Everyone else, when they wake up and have control over their own actions outside the stage, they begin to change. They begin to make choices that are different from the character the writer has written for them, or as they call it in the show, their setup, you know, their character setup. Undeno's um, character setup is that she's the simpering, you know, sick girl. And Beck Young's character setup is that he's this, you know, total douchey, rich asshole guy. But realistically, when he he wakes up to himself, he doesn't really change. And the interesting thing about that is he constantly has, you know, one of the reasons that he's so mean to Ndano is because he hates hospitals and he has these really traumatic memories of his mother dying in a hospital. And it's You know, probably in his life, I get the impression his mother's the only person who should have showed him this affection when he was a kid. And he has such a bad home life with his dad and his dad's new wife that he's really severely traumatized by seeing his mother get sick and die in a hospital. And so every time he has to go to hospital because of Ndano, he lashes out at her. And we see even when Young wakes up to himself, he's still so, I guess, motivated and impacted by those memories of his sick mother. Like his memories are who he is. And while other characters might be able to reject some of those memories or even almost feel like they're not really real, feel like they are a completely different person to their character setup. up. Baek is still who he is because of everything that has happened to him in his life. And he, as he says in the drama, you know, he remembers those things he has memories like no one can tell him those memories aren't real because he lived them and I thought it was really really interesting just to see all the different characters very different reactions to becoming aware of themselves and even though Baek Kyung understands and accepts that he is just a side character in a comic book he's quite content to just continue onwards and he feels like it's that's his right. Like that storyline is his life. It's how his life will unfold and it belongs to him. That's his future. And so the fact that Haru is getting in the way of his future or his perceived future with Undano, it makes Bekyang really, really, really pissed off. Um, So it's very, very interesting, you know, and I think that's what so much of this show is just this really clever twist of all these characters that we've seen so many times in different dramas, you know, in different kind of ways. And suddenly we're seeing really different sides to them. And I thought, um, Beck whole relationship with Andano is really interesting too, because we see him change a little bit from his character in that, um, Beck I think falls in, you know, he's, he does fall for Ndeno and he's clearly going to in the comic as the writer, you know, continues on writing it. But I think once he becomes aware of himself, he does fall for her more quickly. So there's this really interesting thing, you know, like a scene for instance, where the A3 go out, um, you know, for a dinner party or whatever. And Undano's there and she's like, you know, real sweet because it's on stage and she has to play this character. She's being forced to and real sweetly. She's like, oh, Young, you know, eat this nice thing that I've got for you. And because they're on stage, Young's reaction is always to lash out at her. So he's like, fuck, no, I'm not going to eat that piece of shit. And then the stage ends and suddenly everyone's themselves and Undano is immediately stands up and just wants to get the fuck out of there because she doesn't even want to be there but Baek Kyung immediately you know he takes the thing that she offered and he eats it because he would, really, himself. And it's only his character that is quite that mean. But at the same time, he has severe anger issues and they totally ca- like carry across to his new self. So he doesn't change that much personality wise. The only thing that changes is that he does actually genuinely like Ndeno. And he, he wants their storyline to unfold. He wants to get married to her. He wants that future that he feels like is his. So, very, very interesting. Um, I quite liked him, um, as well. I thought he the actor is really good. Um, Lee Jae Wook, um, he has such a familiar looking face, but I actually don't think I've seen him in anything before, but he was, he's really good in this. He just has like an internal, like, um, sorry, like an eternally like pissed off face. He's so good at looking angry. He's got like whatever the man version is of like resting bitch face. It's quite good. (laughs) Um, So I guess I'm just going to do a bit of like kind of a wrap up of some of my other thoughts about this show. So one of the main things that eventually comes out in the story is you realize that, you know, everyone keeps saying about Haru, who is, you know, this extra number 13 doesn't even have a name. Everyone's like, if you're not meant to be a main character, why did the writer draw you so handsome? Like, what is the point of having such a handsome, random side character? And the actor, uh, Rowoon, is like, he's insanely handsome. Um, So it's kind of an interesting idea. And then little by little, some of the characters start having flashbacks and they realize that there was a failed comic book before the comic book they are now in, which is, of course, the romance high school comic book. And the previous comic book was actually, um, you know, a sagok set in the Goyo era and was all about Kings and Queens and stuff. And the main character was actually Undano, Haru and Baekhyun. And what happened in that comic book, like, I think it was a, com- you know, it's a complete and utter tragedy. Um, and Baekhyun is like a complete crazy who murders some people, um, and basically, once again, Haru wakes up to himself. Um, he, you know, becomes aware of himself first in this older version and he's this like bodyguard assassin and he falls in love with Ndeno. So it's kind of like this star-crossed lovers theme, you know, like past lives coming back together over and over and sort of playing out the same story over and over, no matter what. And I kind of loved the idea that no matter how the writer tried to write their fates, it's like they couldn't not be together, you know, to the point where Haru has just you know, remembered Ndeno and been drawn to her, even though he's been written into this new comic book without even a name or a character or a personality. It's just like all he knows is her. And when he gets drawn to her, she is able to revive him and wake him back up. Um, So it's very romantic. And it was such an interesting way to kind of have that theme of, you know, past lives and, you know, you know, this, I guess, coming back together over different lives and, you know, always falling in love no matter what. Like, it's really beautiful ideas and themes and that fate kind of idea, but all set around, you know, comic books and stuff. Very, very clever. Um, so I guess uh, another thing I did want to mention. So in the love triangle of the romance comic that the writer is writing, one of the things I really liked was, you know, seeing the poor transfer student who is basically a stand in for the character Jan D from Boys Over Flowers. Um, Judah is her name, although a little bit less feisty. Um, so Judah is just constantly getting bullied, like nonstop bullied because Namjoo, the hottest guy in school, really likes her. So all these girls are constantly mean to her and her character, is that she just lets it happen and she's constantly naive and she just lets it happen. But little by little, as she starts to become aware of herself and even before she's fully aware of herself, you see that she is not that keen on getting bullied. You see this anger rise up in her. And for that kind of character, I guess, you know, the candy type in Korean dramas, these kind of stories, they don't get angry or they don't get vindictive. They don't lash out at the bullies. They don't turn against the bullies. They just take it. They just take all of the hits and everything. And I really loved the fact that her reaction was like, fuck off. No, like get the fuck away from me. I'm not going to get bullied by you. It was really, again, a refreshing twist on this character trope that we've seen so many times before, like, I really, really loved it. Um, And I, I loved seeing, you know, her start to get very interested in Mr. Nice Guy, the second male lead Doha. And, you know, he's, you know, doomed to fail in the story that is unfolding that they have no control over. And yet in the shadow, she begins to notice him. And I mean, it's really interesting. It's a really fun twist. So I really enjoyed all that. And then, I guess one of my last comments is when I was watching this show, one of the things that I was just like, are all the boys in this show really that tall or is Undano the shortest person in the whole world? Because everyone, like the dudes in this are so tall. Like they just tower over her nonstop all the time. All of them. Like it's crazy. You can't help but notice. Um, they are tall. Like they're quite tall. Um, one of them, Rowoon, who plays the the main male lead, Haru, is actually taller than me and I'm super tall. So that's quite an achievement. And all the other dudes are like my height or a little bit less, but obviously Ndaen Ho or the actress who plays her, Kim Hye Yoon, is like miniature. She's so cute. I really like her. Um... So, I mean, it's just such a good show. It, it just gives you everything you want. You get all the kind of silly romantic situations that you want. You get all the love triangles that you want, but the, everything's twisted and fun. Um, I thought all the performances in this were amazing. I will also just mention too, the guy who plays the kind of comic book main male lead, who in the actual drama itself is just a side character. So he plays Onam Ju, who's the hottest guy at school. Um, he's played by an actor called Kim Young Day, who I have not seen before, but he is a fucking spitting image of Kang Dong Won. Like they are literally the same person. It's insane. Um, But you know, what? considering this is like one of those youth dramas where I, th- I guess the actors must be all quite green. I certainly haven't seen them in other stuff. You know, they're very new to me. Some of them have other projects, but not that many. Um, they were all so good, so charming. Um, I love Kim Hye Yoon who plays Andano. I will definitely see what she does next. She is just like so charismatic. She really, if she's on screen, you just, you can't help but have, you know, just be drawn to her. She's so good. Uh, the guy who plays the male lead, Haru, so his name's Woon I'm thinking he's a K-pop guy. He is just so handsome and so good. And I really like, obviously his performance is much more understated, um, than Kim Hae Yoon's because Ndeno is such a like vivacious kind of out there character. Whilst Haru is, he's so quiet and thoughtful and intent. Um, I really, really liked everything about it. I thought he did a wonderful job. He's also just you know got such a nice face. So he's great to look at. Um, and then Lee Jae-wook who plays, you know, the third prong of the main love triangle in the drama. He's really, really good. Um, I can see from the comments that a lot of people are totally falling for him and wishing that Undeno would end up with him. And I really liked Beck Kyung, but also like he's a total asshole. <laughs> so there's no way um, that Undeno should ever end up with someone as angry as him compared to to Haru who just like, you know, quietly adores her, follows her around everywhere and would die for her. You know, like I feel like Haru is clearly the end game choice there. Um, So I think I'm not going to get into, you know, the drama is quite complicated. A lot happens. There's the whole past lives thing. There's and Dano getting sick, there's memories being wiped, there's all sorts of very high stakes drama happening. And I'll say so maybe the first half of the drama is just like funny, fun and romantic. And the second half is like high stakes, angsty um, and quite moving, like quite tragic um, in a good way. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just such a wonderful, wonderful show. And I really can't recommended enough I think um, I do think if you are a fan of these kind of you know of those high school set romance dramas you will probably get a lot more out of this than someone who's very new to this genre I think um, because it does play so much upon your sort of um, presumed knowledge of tropes and cliches within this genre and you can understand and get so much more of the tongue-in-cheek kind of humor um, particularly of that first half which is just, gold like it's so much fun it's kind of like that thing you know if um you know say about your parents so you can diss your parents but you you can't you know your friends can't so it's kind of like that the writer of this this show has written a show that definitely pokes fun at this genre but they've done it so lovingly that you know that they are a huge fan of the genre so therefore it's completely fine to poke fun at it you know that it's not malicious or vicious and they're certainly not trying to say that that the genre is stupid at all um they're obviously a huge fan of it so i really really love that and i think You know, it's so nice to have someone who is such a big fan of the genre write such a twisty fun show about it. So, um yeah, 100 percent, I recommend this. I think you should definitely, definitely give it a go if you haven't. So that's it uh, for my discussion on Extraordinary You, which is the 2019 Korean youth romance drama uh, with a twist, like a fantasy twist. Yeah, definitely. Check it out. All right, so now I'm up to my random thing of the week. So I was trying to think about what I would like to talk about for my random thing of the week this week. And because uh, we just did such a big discussion on romantic drama, I thought that I would kind of stick to the romance theme and read out a very random thing that I really love. um, That is a romantic (laughs) poem. (laughs) See, it is random. So this is a real, it's, well, It's an excerpt from an incredibly romantic poem by a um, poet that I really love called Pablo Neruda. And this is from like a little collection I have of love poems that he's written. Uh, So I think originally uh, he's from South America. So I'm not sure if this is Spanish or Portuguese, but that's what it was originally written as. And, you know, I'm reading obviously a translated into English version. It is not only light that falls over the world, spreading inside your body its suffocated snow, so much as clarity taking its leave of you, as if you were on fire within. The moon lives in the lining of your skin. And that's it. So at least when I force you guys to listen to poetry that I read out, I keep it really short, right? (laughs) Um, I really love it. I think it's so beautiful and vivid and romantic. And my absolute favorite line in that poem that I just think is so romantic is that final one. The moon lives in the lining of your skin. I wish I could write something that beautiful. It is just so moving. So, yep, that's it from me on my random thing of the week.